Hello and welcome to Produce Talks, the CPMA podcast. Each year at the Learning Lounge, CPMA highlights leaders whose careers have inspired the produce industry through a session called My Produce Story. In Montreal, Rick Alcacer sat down with our My Produce Story panelists, Alain Routier from Corchain La Rose, Daniel Terreau from Hydrocere, and Andrea Palmer from Nova Agri. Our panelists share their career journey through the produce industry and the events and the people that influenced it throughout. Enjoy. Well, good afternoon. Thank you very much for coming to our session today. My name is uh, Rick Alcacer. I'm from Duda Farm Fresh Foods uh, out of California. So what's something we started here several years ago is we'd like to get some uh, industry experts in here that have sort of stories to tell. We all have stories. We'd like to pick three of them and then bring them up here and talk. To them. So that's what we're going to do today. It's, uh, I have a set, set of questions here. There's a lot of them, but what I'm going to do is let them really kind of go into their individual style and answer some of these. But if we don't get through something and there's something you want to hear, we'll leave some time at the end for you to ask some questions. At this okay? So we have three actually distinguished uh, guests here today. And because I swear I don't want to butcher any of their last names, I will introduce them by first names. And then what they're going to do is actually tell you a little about themselves and what they do. So they can give you the correct pronunciation of their their last name. So uh, we have Elaine from Cachem de Rose, Daniel from Hydrocer, and Andrea from Nova Agri. So we'll go ahead and start at the end there. Why don't you go ahead and, uh, Daniel, just um, introduce yourself and then a little what you do, basically, in general. So I'm uh, Daniel Terreau. You were supposed to try it. Terreau. (laughs) Terreau. Um, I'm the vice president of uh, sales and uh, for Mirabel, Agrocer Mirabel, based in Montreal. We have uh, greenhouses around the uh, South Shore, North Shore, and close to Quebec City. 1.2 million square foot of greenhouse, producing mainly uh, our Boston lettuce and uh, some leafy other stuff. I've been in the trade, in this trade, for 10 years, nine years now. Uh, before that, I had. Um, 28 years in the textile industry. I had my own business and uh, from 83 till 2010, making jeans. And at one point, the Chinese won the fight as far as the price. So uh, we just closed down the operation. And at the time, my brother, who's been at Mirabel for 30 years, uh, was looking for someone to help him in the sale. So he called me, said, what are you going to do? I said, actually, I don't know. I'm going to buy something and keep on doing my entrepreneurship because... I love business. I love, uh, you know, every day it's a different fight. He says, why don't you come and help me? I said, sounds good. I like the fact that just to go there with my brother and help you. So it's been nine years and uh, the business has been great. And your industry, my industry now for nine years, it's a great place to be. Lots of fun. <laughs> Thank you. Andrea? Uh, Andrea Palmer. I'm with Novagra. We're located in the Annapolis Valley in Nova Scotia. Uh, we farm about 3,000 acres in the Annapolis Valley. We'd be considered the largest fruit and vegetable operation in Atlantic Canada. Um, my background started on a beef farm, and uh, I went to agricultural college and studied plant science. From there, I went and uh, I worked with the government for a few years with the Department of Agriculture and got my feet wet. Uh, decided to go in the financial world and worked for a bank for a year, only to realize I don't fit in a box very well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I went and I started working with Novagra, and I said I'd stay for three years, and that was 20 years ago. Uh, fell in love with the industry and with the produce side of things. 
I married into it. <laughs> and, uh, and my husband and I have a farm as well on the side. So if I don't get enough at work, I get it at night when I go home and I work in the field. So I, have, I love the industry. And, and like Danielle said, it, it's, uh, it's a fun, it's a lot of, no day is ever boring, that's for sure. So. Yeah, my name is Alain Routier. I'm president of Cochin La Rose. Well, my family been in the produce business over a hundred years. So I was uh, getting to during summer job. I was uh, working at Cochin La Rose and I was there for, uh, full time in uh, around 1982. And I'm there still. And uh, I started from the beginning from selling, buying. And uh, over the year, uh, I became a president for me. Uh, produce was my world uh, in the family. It was in the family, and uh, so I love I love produce, and it was not uh, it was an easy task for me to come to the business. Thank you. So, you, all of you have been in this produce industry for quite a while, but sometimes there are challenges that happen along the way that makes you decide either it's not for you or it's really for you and there's nothing else for you. So along your pathways, has there ever been any kind of point where it could have been a turning point that you left and it looks like you, you did the office that you came in, but anyhow, what were the kind of the circumstances surrounding that turning point in your career either to continue or to the fact that maybe you made the change and you found yourself here in the agriculture? Well, for me, it was quite simple because um, being in the textile in Canada, we were protected by some quota in the past, same in the States. Um, we were producing 100,000 genes per week, and then in 93 we had the free trade agreement, so we started to produce for the Canadian and American business, and then in 2004, the, the GATT, the General Agreement Trade of Commerce, decided to cut the quota to open up the market for Bangladesh, for China, for India, so the price were going down. So simply uh, genes for us, we were charging 15, and the GATT could get the same genes at $5. So the, for, uh, for me, it was quite simple. We had to take a decision. It was either we were moving in Mexico or in China or in Asia. And I did several trips to go there. And then at one point I look at my wife and the kids and my parents, it was like, no, it's not for me. I'm gonna stick around and you know, I'm gonna do something else. So uh, it's a tough decision sometimes because honestly, that was my life, 27 years at the same place in, in your own business. But there's some you know, different things that happen and you have to take decision and I think I, I took the best one and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and I'm close to my family and my grandchild and my parents so for me the path was like okay. What about you Elaine? I'm going to switch it up a little just so you don't get too comfortable with the order. <laughs> so any crossroads? Well like I told you I was uh, I was born I think I was born in the cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> so they were not Real issue if uh, uh, I like or I like it or not, but I have the chance to work with my dad and everything. So for me, I never asked a question if I was in the right place. I, you know, I did my course in engineering, but even that, I worked maybe six months, but I was missing the fruit and vegetables, so I come back and I never left. And it's always different. Nice business. The program. So I got to ask you this: If you wanted to leave, could you have left? Or the family said, no, you don't get to go. Well, I was uh, a little bit stuck. 
Andrea, what about you? It's funny because uh, I remember a conversation with my dad and he said, uh, I'm not going to leave either of you girls to farm because it's the cruelest form of child abuse I can think of, was to be a beef farmer. So off I went to school and I took my plant science degree and uh, my path, I guess the defining moment for me was, I guess I had that in the back of my head, so I kind of steered away from you know, getting involved again, but always at a distance with the government. And when I got to the bank, I realized that I didn't have any freedom. And I, when I say they wanted me to live in a box, that was the moment for me where when, when Earl, the CEO of the company that, we're, that I'm with now, had offered me a job, I went, he's going to allow me to figure out who I am and what I want. And, and as a young 20-something, I was trying to figure that out. And, and uh, when I, it very quickly became home, and we have a family, and it's a family-run operation. It's, uh, I've never, I, certainly, we all have our days when we go, what, what are we doing here? Um, but I can't think of ever doing anything else. And, and, you know, as I've gone through life, I've had lots of opportunities that have been offered to me, and, and uh, I look and I go, well, that would be nice to do, but it doesn't give me the fulfillment that I, I have. So I'm gonna let you keep going on the next question. Oh, then. great, So what, fact, what factor or factor? Uh, have best prepared you for success in your career? My dad. My dad. Um, he's, uh, he had two girls, and he raised us like boys. Uh, so we were tough little cookies, and we worked every day. We worked hard. We came home from school, and we had a list of chores. And uh, he built uh, independence and strength in us. And he was a smart businessman, because to be a beef farmer, it was not always easy. Uh, so he gave, made sure we had the skills that we needed and networking and all that. So I could all, always tie it back to the way that I was raised and on a farm. And we've tried to instill that in, in our kids as they've gone forward. So is your sister the, doing the exact same thing? My no? sister is, uh, she went and, and we both wandered off a little bit. She became a personal care worker, but she bought a hobby farm. And she raises her, she's raising her children as farm kids too. So neither one of us were able to get away from it. As much as he tried to encourage us to run the other way, he said he, he failed on that one, but he's proud of his girls and, and what, what we've done, that's for sure. Daniel, what about you? Factors that have, in, factors that have influenced factor or factors success, your success in the business? Actually, it was a neighbor. Um, when I was growing up in Laval, one of our neighbor was um, a real estate person with lots of land, lots of business, and I started to work with him, I was 16. I went to college, I went to Cégep, I went to university. Every summertime I was working for him and he was growing, his business was booming and booming. When I graduated, he looked at me and says, what the hell are you gonna do? I said, I don't know, you tell me. And he, he put me in charge of that plan, the textile plan that I've been talking to you. As a general manager, I was 23 and it was go. I had 300 employees and that was it. And that gentleman died four years after and I started to buy a share from their, their kids because they were not involved and I was very involved. So that person helped me tremendously. I mean, what about you? Without any doubt, my dad, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was a kid and when he come back from home, I was asking a lot of questions about it. On the weekend, at that time uh, we were close and we see the, I see the warehouse. So uh, every, time, uh, every time I went to work, I was thinking of what we do in this, that kind of situation and uh, what, uh, what answer you will have. So uh, my dad was my biggest inspiration for sure. Okay, so 
So on the positive side, we've got the factors that have sort of helped you and built you. But now let's talk about the stuff that are the challenges. So in your career to date, is there anything that you could share that you feel has been the biggest challenge in your career, challenge to your career, either personally or it could be as a company as well that you work for? Well, for me, my biggest challenge was to get a first name because uh, in Quebec, the name Roussier was well known, and uh, but Alain was not known. So for me, to have a first name in the business was one of my biggest challenge that people can see me and not see the Routier family. Uh, so that was my biggest challenge for sure. I can see, I bet you there's many families in our industry that have the same challenge. For me, it was, uh, I'm a very passionate person. For any of you who know me, I, I kind of, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And when I came in this industry, it, it almost ate me up. And, uh, and Jane will understand who I had as a mentor, uh, Ron Turner. I've been in the industry for a long time. And uh, he took me under, under his wing. And he said, you can't take it home at night. And I would go home in tears because I felt I had failed. And uh, after many years, he made me a little tougher. Uh, I can still be compassionate, but I know how I, I can separate it now and, and realize it's not always my fault. Um, because there's a little bit of me, I guess, uh, would be a perfectionist. <laughs> so to get over that was a huge, huge struggle for me. And, and to teach the people coming in the industry to still remain passionate, but not let it consume them, is it's a hard lesson to teach everyone. That's for sure. Okay, so you answered one question here, another one. But we'll continue on with the next okay. question. So have there been many mentors in your career? And if so, uh, who were they and why were they a mentor? Well, actually, the, the person that gave me my first chance was my mentor, honestly, in business, because both of my parents were uh, middle-class working people. Um, so when I jumped into the business side of it, that person was, for me, a mentor. Afterward, it's been, I don't know, leadership, uh, you know, working hard. And the, the challenge for me was always, like, to keep the trend, make sure that I stay alert, stay, you know, in the moment, but also thinking what's coming. So, but... My mentor was Mr. Paquin. You've already talked about your father a lot, so I'm going to see if you can come up with somebody other than your father. Well, for, for sure, because um, my father retired uh, before I was president, so I had some president working under, uh, was working under some president. So Mr. Brazo and Mr. Berry taught, taught me a lot about the business, and uh, I would say, besides my dad, they were my, two of my mentor and uh, make me the, 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 the guy I'm a, uh, right now, I got right now. So we, we know we are dealing with many generations after ours in our businesses. And of course, uh, many of us grew up and it's the hard, uh, school of hard knocks. We were graded on how many hours we worked in the business, not necessarily what we did in it, but our, if we were a time clock, the more hours you had, the more people thought you were great. For, things are different now. The newer generations care about balance of lifestyles. There's all kinds of terminology. So obviously we're still alive, we're still in the business. And maybe you start adapting to a more balanced lifestyle. So if you have, what have you done now? How are you basically balancing your work life and your, and, or are you still at the office 16 hours a day and nobody likes you? <laughs> well, actually, when we start, when I started, it was not really balanced. I was at the office 16 hours a day and six, seven days a week. And the balance was coming from my wife. You know, we've been together for 40 years. Uh, the family was sound, the kids were home, and I was working all the time. But it was for the benefit of all of us. So 
every time whoever I was talking to, it was like, if we do have success, it's a family success. I have two great kids. They were easy to raise. I never had to worry about anything else and just go there, have fun, do your job, bring some money home and keep on. So honestly, for me, the balance has been really important. Later on, after 30 something years, it's still balanced. It's different. Grandchild, child. I still have my parents and I'm trying to give all of them sometimes. And I take care of myself as well. Very good. Yeah, I, I always hate this question because I'm still trying to find it. <laughs> um, I, uh, when young people ask me how they find the balance, everybody has to find what works for them. And for me, uh, I, you know, we, we try to have date night <laughs> um, once a week so that we can at least connect. Um, you take as, your cell phone with you when you do that? Uh, we, we've got so that we turn them off, don't we? <laughs> Um, and we, you know, over the years, it was the balance between our marriage, our family, our jobs, you know, everything. And, and uh, everybody's is different. Uh, now we take a block of time in the winter and, and we spend three weeks traveling together. And, and that gets us that time that we can be ready to hit another season. But we're not done growing and expanding yet. And, and we still have, we still challenge ourselves and we push each other. But it looks like you definitely have the cognizance of knowing that you have to have some type of balance. Absolutely. You have yeah. And to keep a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. You For me, you know, every time I have that birdie, he said, that's going to be the year I'm going to slow down. But, but I would say lately, uh, I've been slowed down a, a lot more. You know, I, I build around me a big team, a good team. That, and uh, I think right now I, I'm able to take uh, more or more time for myself. Even if I go every day, I came a, a little bit late and everything. But uh, before that, it, it was tough, a big time. We talk about our industry, and we've been many years in it. And you always hear people talking about our industry like it's really special and it's unique. But now we've been managers, we've, we've seen people come and go, we've brought people in from other industries. So knowing a little about and seeing in other industries, maybe raising kids and have them now in the different industries of ours, is our industry still that unique to you? And if so, why? Why is our industry still unique if it is? I had the chance to see a different sector, the textile, and everybody wants to kill themselves every time, like from Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, and The Gap, and Levi's. When I joined my brother at Mirabelle, it was amazing to see, like, you're a big family. It's like all competitor, but there's respect, there's exchange. Uh, I don't know if it's more human because of the fact that what we're doing is human. You know, we're growing things and the retailer needs what we're doing. And it's like a, a share. We're sharing our good day and the bad day. But definitely this industry is more human than the one I was before. It's a, it's a family. The produce industry, you know, like when people come from the inside out and, and we have the speakers come in and they say, but what a unique group of people we are and how we're fun loving. So you have to have a sense of humor, but it, it's family. Um, the big thing with this industry is it's not a job. It's a lifestyle and we live it and we breathe it and we take it home with us. And, and that's part of it. And when I hire young people now, I make them understand that this isn't just a job because you have to have the passion for it. And if you don't have the passion for it, it will consume you because the stress and the hours and all the issues will get you, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, the answer, for, uh, they, all, they all got my answer. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. 
So uh, for sure, anyway, everybody in the in the bit those business have the same problem that uh, so uh, we, we get together and people talk about those problems and, and everything. So and you see, as a convention like that, we got competitor, we got uh, all kind of people, and everybody seems friendly. So for me, it's a it's a family business. So this one. Uh... I remember about a year ago when I got interviewed, this is a question somebody asked me, but it has to do with management style, you know, and uh, if people didn't change, you can probably keep your same manager style. But we know that people do change and generations change. So when you talk about management style, what works for you? What, what is your, what seems to be something that you can live with, you feel like your, your employees deal with, and is it different now than let's say it was 20 years ago as far as your own management style? For me, it's the same. Um, I believe the way... I don't know, the leadership that you bring to the table. Um, whatever I've been doing, I was always trying to be like, like a top model, like the leader, trying to make sure that everybody's following me. Uh, we're all the same. It's a, it's a group. Uh, I've been always managing like that in all the business I've been. So it's still the same. I think even today with the millennium, they're, if they feel that they're important, if they feel that they're part of the team, they'll join. But you still have to show them like some leadership to you know, make sure that they'll follow the trade. I agree. And the, and the model that I've always lived by is that people have to learn from their mistakes. So you let everybody go as far as you think you dare let them go before they get in too deep and you let them learn and fall and you help pick them up because that's what makes a person. It's uh, what we've learned and how we learn to fix it. And uh, I don't think my style has changed over the years. I think everybody, whether you're a millennial or, or whatever, you still have to learn from your mistakes. So, you know, it's it's letting go and letting that happen as a manager sometimes is a little stressful because you can see it coming, but, uh, but that's how I learned. So I, you know, I think that's, that would be my style. Did you have a safe room at your company 20 years ago or is that something new? What was that? A safe room, you know, a where your employees room. can go in there and cry and, you know, uh, I, I use the blueberry field. <laughs> there was a few less blueberry bushes out there. I'll tell you. <laughs> so some things are different today for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Overall, over the year, I see uh, the leadership change. Before that, you know, it was more a one-man show. And, uh, but now, people don't like one-man shows. So you have to put confidence in your team and uh, make their own decision. And after that, analyze with them what, was the, what went wrong, what went good with the decision. Before that, you know, when I was a, a young girl, you take, you don't have decision. You make what the people say. So right now, people are more uh, open, wise to take their own decision. After that, we discuss. So this morning uh, at breakfast, we saw the award for company culture, and each one of you in, in your positions definitely has a direct impact and affects your company culture. So if you would describe what your company culture is, and, and uh, in your words, and why you think it, uh, it's a, it's a good company. For us at Mirabel, uh, we're just the way we are. It's a family-oriented business. Uh, we're like 40-something people at Mirabel. There's other people somewhere else, but the staff close to us, it's, it's the family culture. Uh, everybody gets in the morning. It's just like, it's fun. It's fun to be there, and we keep that spirit. Definitely. We're, we're a family. Um, and uh, that's what's kept me there, because I've had a family around me. Uh, as we've grown and changed, we have a lot of different types of individuals, a lot of different types of personalities. 
Uh, there's days when we fight like a family. There's days when we pick each other up. Um, and we certainly, as we've brought in the migrant workforce, we've included them into, into how we do things. And, you know, simple little things. Like before we left last week, we had a pizza party. And it was just a luncheon opportunity for everybody to come in. And it was nice to see everybody mingle because you have everyone from, from the CEO down to the people who are on the grading line, which is probably one of the worst jobs ever in onion season. And anybody can appreciate that. And uh, so it's just those little things that we do to keep that family atmosphere going. And, and if we've got a problem, we put it out there and, and we deal with it. And we move on. So, Lynn, what's special about your culture at your company? Well, uh, you know, when I was uh, younger, I went to see my uncle and my dad doing some speech in front, in front of the uh, employees. And they'll say, it's important, the, the, the family thing, it's important. We cannot do nothing without you. You know, and I was a kid, I said that, way, way, way. But... You know, it's, they say that because they want to say that, you know, but at the end, when I, when I grew up and I was with, uh, start to have some leading role in the company, I understand that without all the employees, we can do nothing. So for us over there, it's a big family and it's always been like that and been the culture since, uh, since 100 years and it's very important. So we don't have a lot of the colored vests out there, but you know, we have a lot of young produce people that are out there wandering around here in different colored vests. If you can close your eyes and imagine this entire audience was all people between 20 and 25 years old, new in their produce career, what advice would you offer them as far as things that you could do, but also on the downsides? What are the pitfalls and danger signs that they need to be careful of as they're going through this career? Well, <laughs> well you know, what I say to them is think a lot about what company they're going to choose to look at it. And, you know, in the produce, we see a lot of people changing company too many times. And when you see that, it's not good for your career. You know, you choose one company and you stick with it and, and go ahead. But you're going to have to change, but make it wisely. Okay. Uh, that's a tough one. Um... I think you have to pick a company that you that fits you and uh, that you feel at home in and that when you get up in the morning, you you're looking forward to going to work. And if that isn't the right spot, then, you know, um, the other pitfall and all this is like I had mentioned earlier, it's a passionate industry and you can't let it consume you. You have to find a way to separate yourself from it, because I think we've all had those days where it eats at you. And you, you know, it, it, uh, it's not made for everybody and they have to understand it's a lifestyle. And a lot of the younger generations looking for experiences and quick in and outs. But, you know, if, if you love this industry, it's a place for you and there's a home for you. And, and that's, that's what I would advice I would give them. I have, I have a son-in-law in the tech business and uh, up in the Bay Area. And if they're not with another company every two years, they think something's wrong with you. Right. So how different is that from our sentiments and that we, we feel about our industry, which is probably one reason why we have a very unique industry as well. Well, in today's market, you know, it's so um, the lack of labor presently, what's happening, the, the kids, they have great opportunity. Wherever they can look, they have a chance. And for me, what I would tell them, it's just like a question of depending the sector you want to go, if they really want to get it, you have to be in the traffic. You, you got to be up there up front. You got to show some leadership. You got to make sure that Hey, if I want to succeed, no matter the sector, this one or anyone, you got to be 
you know, close to it, work out at it, and make sure that people respect you and you respect the others. So, you know, I, I was not, it was not a family business when we started up. So for me, I just follow a trend. You have to respect the trend, what's happening in your life, and just believe, trust, and respect, and work hard. So no matter the generation, I think it's the same. And today they're changing faster. You know, they have so many different jobs, like five, six years at one place, and they move on. But whoever wants to succeed will succeed. That's what I think. Um, I think we've gone through every question. But I'm going to open it up if anybody has any questions for any of the any panelists here. Uh, except, for, except for Guy. Thank you. Is this, uh, thank you, Mr. Past Chair. I got two questions. We don't have a lot of time for the first one, but I'll ask it anyway. But you can answer the second one. First, do you, do you need to be a good golfer to be in the produce industry? No. And my second See, you question, got the answer. And my second question, if there's only one thing that you would like, because you're all successful in your career, if there's only one thing that you could have changed, what would that be from the really beginning of your career? That would make it different. Is that a trick question, uh, Guy? It's not. There's no bad answer either. Personally, I have no regrets. Whatever I've been doing was always found on, on what I believe and what I thought I would be the best for, for my company, for myself and my family. So uh, I have one thing I would have changed. Maybe invest uh, in the States like 30-something years ago when I opened up the, uh, the textile trend, but I did not, so i got to live with it. Or play more golf. That's coming soon. I don't think there's anything that I would change because um, it's made me who I am today. And growing up in the industry, product, agriculture industry in general as a woman, um, I've been in a man's world for a long time and I love it. I wouldn't change it. And people ask me about being a woman in this industry and advice. And just I've surrounded myself with really smart uh, men my whole life and I've learned from them. And, and I have no regrets in the path I've taken or the choices I've made, none. Same for me. I have no regrets. No big regrets. You always have sometimes some small thing, but overall, I would say that uh, I'm happy the way uh, my uh, business plan went. Sorry, Elaine, but the right answer was you should have hired me 10 years earlier. But it's okay. That's why I was telling you it was a trick question. It, it was a trick question. It was a trick question. It was nice hearing you. Anybody else in the audience got a question? Anybody else? So, um, for anyone who doesn't know, these are my parents, so I could ask some really awkward questions. I'm feeling very awkward right now. I kind of like this. Go uh, ahead. So, am I the favorite? Uh -huh. I love you equally, but differently. Well, same answer every time I ask that. Um, no, my real question is, was there ever a project, a day, or a moment where you knew that you were successful because you're here as examples of success but as someone who's still fairly new in her own career i just wondered if there was ever something where you knew yes i've made it and i'm going to keep making it the, the aha moment that would i've done if, if you don't mind i'll start um when when my mentor died 88 i was alone in that business in the textile 1993, there was the free trade happening. And for me, it was like, I have to be in this state. I have to bring some customer, you know, in here. 
And I made my deal. I invest millions of dollars a year and a half too fast. I was ahead of my time. So when you do invest a big amount of money and you just wait and wait, I was so close to just lose everything. But it did happen. I signed a huge contract with The Gap and it just changed my life. And going back from New York to Montreal, I called my wife. I says, my God, we're going to have so much work. So for me, that moment was like from almost nothing and we went through. That was in 1998. It's been really good since then. But it was I mean, like very, very close. Yeah, but you know, I don't know if it's in produce, but sometimes when you're sure you're going to make a good deal, it always sometimes turns bad. So you have, always have to, to check more. So not ever happened too much that I was sure that the deal would turn uh, that way. It's always challenging. I guess for me, it's when I became more confident in, in my decision making and I wasn't second guessing myself. Um, and it's just through maturity and experience. And, and uh, I remember one day I was the only woman in the, in the company. I was surrounded by men. And our CEO was very man orientated. And one day he says, you finally made it. You're one of the guys. And I said, hot damn. <laughs> I wonder how your life would have been if you had an older brother. <laughs> <laughs> I wait for you to run. Oh, you're all good? Okay. We'll have to okay. charge more. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for supporting us and coming out and talking to us. Definitely appreciate it. A big thank you to Alain, Daniel, and Andrea for sharing their stories and to Rick for hosting this learning lounge. Until next time, fill half your plate with fruits and veggies, continue to seek out new knowledge, and basically never stop growing.